You are listening to the Brentwood Baptist Church Life Group Leader Podcast, a resource to equip and encourage group leaders on their journey toward being disciples and making disciples through life groups. Hey, Brentwood Baptist Life Group Leaders, I want to welcome you back to the Brentwood Baptist Life Group Leader Podcast. I'm here with Senior Pastor Mike Glenn. Thanks for coming in with us today, Mike, and thank you for giving a word to all of our life group leaders across all our campuses. You're welcome, Paul. Thank you. Uh, we're going to briefly talk about the mission and vision of the church and how we as group leaders and groups ministry can plug into that and uh, really see the Lord work some great things for the kingdom through our group's ministries. So, Mike, will you give us a, a brief flyover of the mission and vision and maybe unpack in a comment or two some of the terms like gospel conversation or healthy congregation? Okay. Um, just just to get it out there and put it on record, the new mission statement is going to be engaging the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ anywhere, anytime, with anybody. And there's a couple of key phrases out of that. First, uh, we, we were intentional about using the word engage. We want our folks to start the conversation, to start the ministry. Uh, we want them not to retreat and react, but to be proactive in sharing the gospel, however the Lord opens that, that door open. And it may be through a ministry, such as uh, feeding the hungry or working with the homeless or one of the traditional ministries that we have. It may be through a mission, uh, starting the church with a, uh, a Kurdish congregation or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but we want to be proactive in that and taking care of the whole person. Uh in the abortion debate, uh, we were always accused of caring about the child until they were born, and then we, we, you know, we didn't want to help them with school, we didn't want to help them with nutrition, we didn't want to help them with anything else. But that was the the common shout out. Yeah. We the the church in history uh, got its chops from doing the things in the culture that nobody else wanted to do. Uh, we were the ones who responded to the needs of the plague victims. That's where we got the word hospital from. Uh, Mother Teresa goes to uh, uh, Mumbai, uh, which was uh, uh, Bombay at the time, and works with uh, the lepers in the streets. Nobody wanted to do that. And when she started doing it, nobody said, no, you can't do that, because nobody wanted to do it. And then when she did it, then she gained such a platform that she could literally go anywhere in the world and say anything she wanted to say, and nobody would challenge her. So those opportunities are still open where there are broken places in our culture, in our society, where the church can step in and do something that nobody else wants to do. Mm. Uh, Inner city children, there are lots of talk about that, but nobody wants to deal with inner city children. And you know and I know that there are people, uh, young men, young women, who are gifted and talented, but because of where they're born, and what elementary school and middle school they will go to, they don't have a chance. Now, you can, you can say what you want to about this being the land of opportunity, but let's get real. They don't have a chance. Now, when we step in and start providing tutors, um, uh, counselors, um, uh, uh, reading partners and those kind of things, nobody's going to say anything about that. Uh, but then you will gain a ministry because you love people and you're in their lives and you're making a real difference that will allow you to share the gospel. Now, understand, all of this is about gaining access to people's lives and gaining opportunity to share the gospel. Uh, We want the whole person, and that includes a relationship with Jesus Christ that puts everything else in, uh, uh, in, in perspective and in its right place. 
Jesus said uh, he's making all things new. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that, that starts from the relationship with him, but it, then it, it transforms to it translates to your marriage, to your relationship with your children, your parents, your culture, your job, everything. Everything is made new. Uh, and so that's anywhere, not just Sunday morning at 11, 11 o'clock on, uh, in, in the church building. It's going to be in people's homes. It's going to be any time that people will gather. And it's going to be with anybody. Now, that, that anybody has a, du- a, t- a double meaning. One, it is anybody who wants to hear or that the Lord opens the, the door, the Spirit leads us to be. Yeah, persons of peace. Yeah. Uh, we, we, uh, we are eager to, to follow Christ in, in building a diverse congregation where, where his, his full glory is known in the diversity of the people that, that he's engaged with. But the other part of it is, is that anybody is leading Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody, nobody was famous until they met Jesus, right? I mean, well, I mean, Barnabas wasn't famous. Paul wasn't famous. Nobody was famous until they met Jesus. So it's not that we're looking for really sharp people who can really do a really sharp job and all of that. We're looking for people who know Jesus Christ and who will follow him in obedience and who will trust him to be, that he can use them in the ways that he wants to use them, in the places and, and, and times he wants to use them, in a way that makes a whole lot of him. Mm. So people will say, hey, we know Paul Wilkerson. No way he could have done that if Christ hadn't <laughs> been in right. his life. Okay, yes. We know Mike Glenn. No way Mike could have pulled that off. Mm. Uh, that had to be the touch of Jesus in his life. Mm. Uh, so that's what we mean by the anybody. Uh, now, now, the five-year vision is... Uh, we want to uh, see disciples making disciples, and we're looking for about 10,000 disciples. Uh, we want 500,000 gospel conversations. Now, before everybody freaks about that number, it's about two conversations a month mm-hmm. for our members. It's about two a month. and But when you divide it out among the membership and that kind of stuff, right. then, that, then that's where that number comes from. And 100 healthy churches. Now, before everybody freaks out about the hundred healthy churches, what you're looking for in a healthy church is a church that re- reproduces. Healthy, healthy organisms reproduce. And one of the fundamental mistakes we make about the church is we, we make it an organization, mm-hmm. and it's an organism. It's a li- living being. So while That's right. um, business practices work for financial part and that kind of stuff, the other part has to be uh, biological. There's a reason Jesus talked more about agriculture because it's about living things and how living things grow. Um, so so we want churches that are reproducing themselves. We want to be involved with uh, uh, churches that in turn plant other churches, uh, members who who join our, our campuses and then s- are sent out to go start other churches. Mm. Uh, that, that's what that's what you're looking for. And we're looking for people who will spend time in groups of ones, twos, threes, twelves. And there's an interesting pattern. Jesus chose, chose twelve. That's right. Of the twelve, he chose three. Of the three, he had one mm-hmm. uh, that he poured his life into. Uh, and when they were challenged, what they responded with is, this is what we know. This is what we saw. This is what we heard. We know what we know. Uh, and so that's what you're looking for is people uh, who over a cup of coffee, over uh, 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 a, a fellowship meal, hospitality is, is the new front door of evangelism now. Mm-hmm. Come over and have dinner with me. 
and, uh, and and let's share each other's story, hearing each other's story, and then looking for places uh, where uh, where God has has um, has been active, and maybe they not know it. Uh, one of the people that we're missing uh, in our culture is Eli. Now Eli gets a bad rap because he didn't finish well, right? But he's the one who talked to Samuel and said, "Samuel, that's God." That's God talking to you. That's God working in your life. We need mature believers who can say to young believers or even persons of peace, people who are in that, what they call that pre-evangelism state, who can say, listen, that wasn't luck. That was God working in your life. This is consistent with who he is. This is consistent with how he works. Now, a gospel conversation is, is any time we can find a moment to witness about what we know of Jesus in our life. Now, we make the mistake of thinking that is about conversion. Okay, now, let me kind of settle down here a little bit. We do want to see people come to Christ, mm-hmm. but that's not my calling. My calling is not to convert. And we have had generations of mistreatment in local churches because Certain Christians thought it was their job to convert. Yeah. Okay, it's our job to bear witness. Mm. Okay, to testify. You know, in, in court, you go in, hold your hand up. What did you see, Mister Glenn? What do you know? I can't. You can't bring in hearsay. You can't bring in gossip. You have to be able to say, "I was there. I saw it. Here's what I know to be true." And then in that witness of this is what I know in my own life that the Spirit validates. To the other person, what is true in Mike's life can be true in your life. Mm. Uh, and it is in that common journey that people recognize what, what Christ can do in their life. So that's what we're looking for. I'm looking for, for our, our people to become a little more aware that there's a chance to get that conversation in. Mm. There's a chance to raise the issue. Uh, you know, uh, I, I work out. Uh, people come, they know who I am, they come, they stop me. And so my trainer looked at me and said, you're the, you're the pastor of the gym. And we kind of laughed and I kind of looked at him and I said, yeah, you know, I am. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's okay. Cause people will come up and ask me, you know, Hey, you know, this is going on. What do you think? Or, or I will get to know people and I will know they don't go to church anywhere. And because we've become friends, I can say, listen, I happen to know a good church <laughs> that has a pastor and you'll get out on time. That's right. You know, and uh, and they'll kind of look at me and laugh, but then they will show up. Mm. Uh, you know, most people come simply because somebody invited them. Yeah, every Sunday school book I ever read, that's what they say. Mm-hmm. They come because somebody invited them. And about 80 or 90 percent of them yeah. come. And the real sickness of the conversion stuff, you know I'm personally passionate about that, is I mean, First Corinthians, Paul's clear. Uh, one plants, one waters, God gives the growth. So mm-hmm. if you think you're the one getting conversions, yeah. you're just going to heap up guilt, you're going to heap up shame, and you're going to be worthless yeah, for the kingdom. Yeah, and, and, and you'll, you'll, you'll find yourself in a situation where they're going to ask me a question I can't answer or they're, you know, they're going to uh, you know, get frustrated with me. Nobody gets frustrated with you when you're saying the, what you know. You know, mm-hmm. if I went to a great restaurant and I told you, hey, I really love this restaurant. And it's a great Mexican restaurant. You might not even like Mexican food. But you wouldn't tell me, you know, you're never going to be my friend again because you keep bringing up this Mexican restaurant. no way you love that one. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, you're not going to do that. So if I'm telling you in a very simple way, hey, this happened in my life, 
you know, gosh, I was going through a hard time, but you know, I have found Christ to be consistent in it all. Mm. That's all you got to do. That's it. Uh, this is this is what I know to be true. Yeah. If they want to know more, they can ask you more. Yep. But the only thing I'm doing is putting it out there that this is important to me. I have found it to be true. And because I love you as my friend, I want you to be true in your life too. Yeah, the Spirit will do the heavy lifting. Right. You just got to show up <laughs> so much That's of the it. time. All right. So um, anytime we roll out a new mission and vision, you know the – the potential, oh, another program, another strategy, just another new thing. So what's the big why behind all of this for you personally? Um, <laughs> uh, gosh, when you, when you, uh, you know, I'm, I'm having a train wreck in my head here of trying to make sure that, that, that I say everything I want, I want to say. The, the, big, the big thing is um, I'm, I'm tired of friends um uh, wrecking their lives because they don't know the gospel. Mm. And when you and when you see what's going on in their life and you see the decisions and uh, and and you may have even said I mean everybody knows who I am, they know what I do, and they will say, Hey, that Jesus stuff not for me, Mike, and da 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 and I and I'll tell them, uh, you know, where you're heading is not where you want to go. Mm. And then it blows up. Uh, and it always does. Uh, you know, Paul says the wage of sin is death. And we always mistake that Paul, what he was saying there was when you die, you're going to get the second death and you're going to get paid the wage you've earned. Sin pays all the time. That's right. You know? It's great destroyer. Every time, every, time you, every time you do it, it pays you. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the hard truth is something dies. It may be a little bit of your relationship. It may be a little bit of your dignity. It may have been a little bit of your character. It may be a little bit of trust that people have in you. But something dies, and you don't get it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we have had this huge world experiment where they have discounted faith, they have discounted Christianity, and they have said, we'll find our own way. And it has been the Tower of Babel. <laughs> yes. uh, and... Uh, and we have people who are asking questions that only Jesus can answer about meaning, purpose, and hope. Uh, and, um, uh, and and honestly, this 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 whole thing is we're, we're going to stop doing all this stuff that is good but doesn't help. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, I've been in this I've been in this church gig a long time. <laughs> <clears throat> I know how to draw a crowd. I know quote how to be successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in the worst sense of that word, uh, and it wears your church out, mm. uh, and, um, uh, and and you make no real difference. And uh, so part of this was let, let's find those three or four foundational, fundamental things that God is calling this church to, and let's do those extremely well, and let's let everything else you know, uh, everybody knows what matters in life. If mm-hmm. if if, yep. uh, if you take anybody to the hospital and say you got six weeks to mm-hmm. live, they can they can tell you in a heartbeat what matters and what doesn't matter. So um, how how do we get that kind of urgency in our people's lives mm-hmm. to 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 make the decision to follow Christ and then to share that good news with their friends? 
Yeah, and I love what you say about making a difference. Let's focus on what God's called us to do. That's right. Trust in the Lord's sovereignty to raise up others to do what we don't do well. And, and if we do these basic, simple things, we're going to see culture change. That's right. Here, 37027, Middle Tennessee, mm-hmm. it's, um, you want to fix the culture, you invest in the people. That's right. So, life group leaders, um, how do we plug in to, to all of this? What, what do you hope that, that we're doing as life group leaders with those in our groups? Uh, in our communities, and how do you think we serve this this movement of the spirit? Oh gosh, uh, listen. Um, in any organization, there are all the people who you know wear the coats and ties, but there's always the dude who knows how to get it done. You <laughs> right. know, he's 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 you know, maybe his tie doesn't match. Maybe he's got too many pins in his pocket or whatever. Mm-hmm. But everybody in the building knows that's who you go to if you really need to get something done. That's who our life group leaders are. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that we know that get it done. And they get it done because, one, they know the people in their group better than anybody. Yep. Uh, they know what they're going through, where they are in their journey. Uh, they know uh, what, uh, what excites them, what frustrates them. They know what words not to use. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we, we yeah, laugh, but yeah. when we started doing the, the Lord's Prayer at Kairos, we couldn't do Father. Because there were so many of them that were locked up with their dad that it got in the way of the prayer. So we kind of had to say, hey, there are other word pictures Mm -hmm. for you and and work around it. Uh, Nobody knows anybody better than, uh, uh, than, than the life group leader. Now, with that is, uh, on on that same token, nobody knows what is dormant. Yes. That the spirit is waiting to quicken. To bring alive within that person better than a life group. Because when the life group leader, because when you start praying for someone, when you sit in the presence of, of the one who created that person yep. and, and you are praying for them, I promise you, our rabbi will give you insight into that person's mm. life. And he will share with you, this is what I'm want, this is what I want to do in this person's life. And and one the concept we that we forget with stewardship is that not only is it about money and resources, time. It's about those people who are entrusted to us, yeah, and helping them become everything that that uh, that Christ has called them to be. I have the responsibility and and indeed the privilege of being the steward of the staff, and uh, and one of the good things I get, some of the most fun I have, is is watching our pastors and our other teachers and leaders uh, find their sweet spot, hit that gift. Uh, and and you know and and, and watch them take off. And sometimes they didn't even know they could do it yeah. until until you put them out there uh, and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, uh, Gail Haywood's been on his staff for thirty something years. She's still mad at me because I made her preach on one Mother's Day. But who better <laughs> than than a woman who's working, raising children, and all of that to share? Hey, this is this is my journey. This is our journey. And, uh, and let's talk about it. Uh, now, Gail will tell you in a heartbeat, she doesn't have the calling to preach or the gift to preach or whatever. Mm-hmm. But she does have the calling and the giftedness of shepherd leadership. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, and, and because of that, uh, makes a huge difference in the lives of, of our women, uh, our, our, our young families, uh, and now our senior adults. I tease her, she's now the senior adult ministry because they were the people she had in preschool when she came. So it's the same group, you know. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So so we as group leaders, uh, 
and shepherds of the people God has graced us mm-hmm. with in our groups, mm-hmm. we need to be asking the Holy Spirit, what do you want this person to become? That's right, yeah. How, What's how, their impact in this body? How can I, as, as the under-shepherd, mm. okay, we, we have the great shepherd. The shepherd knows his sheep. That's right. And, and he assigns us as under-shepherds to certain sheep because we have a certain calling, a certain gift set that will work with that particular sheep. It's not random. It's not go pick five sheep. Mm-mm. Shepherd knows his sheep. These five, these ten, whatever, I want them working with you because the way you teach is going to work with them. The way you respond is going to, is going to uh, make them see something a little different uh, and, and all of that. And, and I, th- I, I think we don't fully understand how much Jesus loves his people mm. and loves his sheep and will ask us as leaders about what happened in that person's life when they were working with you, when you were, when you were journeying with them. Mm. So in light of all this and what the Spirit's put on your heart, um, a good group is about what things in your mind? What's a good group doing? Oh, gosh. Uh, first of all, there's safety. Mm. Okay? Uh, and, um, and, Which and doesn't I, mean comfort always. No, no, it doesn't mean comfort. But it means if I come here, one, I'm going to be loved. Mm. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be loved, and I'm going to be protected. It doesn't mean that I don't have people that challenge me, but, I, but I'm not going to have people who attack me. Yes. Okay? There's a difference. In that. Right. And sometimes we get into this accountability trap of, boy, that means everybody's in my grill all the time. The folks who have, who have best held me accountable in my life are the people who knew me best, who would sit down with me and say, that's not you. Mm. Okay? This is who I know you to be. These are the gifts I've seen you uh, exhibit. And that behavior doesn't line up with who I know you to be. Uh, first, first, I'm going to be safe. Uh, I'm going. I'm going to be loved. Uh, I'm going to. I'm going to be taught the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. Yes. Okay. If if we don't, uh, you know, you, you and I talk books all the time. We read all the time. Right. I hope. I hope all you group leaders and all of our people read and read and read. But at no time, no how, no place does anything re- uh, replace Scripture in your life. So the central theme of of of, of the group. And, and the text of the group has to be the scriptures. Uh, we, are, we are people of that book, and we, we have found out across thousands of years that when you encounter that book, you encounter the presence of the living Christ in a way, uh, of the living Christ in a way that you cannot anywhere else. Mm. Uh, f- secondly, I'm going to be given a chance to try. Mm. Okay? And that means, okay, I think I have the gift of teaching. All right, we want you to teach next week. Okay, now, uh, my first sermon was awful. <laughs> Golly, I love my little home church because they loved me and told me how great that sermon was, and it was so bad. Right. Oh, it was terrible. Um, and even now I'm embarrassed and ashamed about all these 40 years later or something after I preached it. It was terrible. That's the one you remember. Oh, gosh. Uh, but But it's a place where I can try and do that. And maybe it's not the best ever, and you know, it's not the best lesson that's ever been taught in the history of teaching. But I'm going to be with people who say, "Okay, that was a good beginning. You did these things well. Mm. 
You know, we're going to work on this other. But these you did well, so we want you to be affirmed in this gift, or we want people who tell you, Mm-mm, this ain't it. <laughs> yes. Okay, gosh, we love your passion, but you're not good at this. You're good at this. Okay? It's always the church calls. See, it's the church that says, have you ever recognized that you're good at this? Because when it's gift, you don't recognize it. It's just easy. Mm-hmm. It's always easy for you. That's just what you do. And, uh, yeah, and, and you don't think any more of that than, you know, anybody can do this. No, you know, uh, some of our musicians, I'll go up to right. them and say, gosh, that was, that was incredible. And they'll tell me, anybody can do that. Oh, that infuriates me because I want to tell them. I know one person who can't do that. Uh, but it takes somebody around you. No, no, that's not luck. That's not, that's your gift. And when you do that, things happen. Uh, things, uh, you know, we, we have a friend who has an incredible gift of hospitality. And everybody who encounters her feels better mm-hmm. about themselves. Uh, it's an amazing gift. And anybody who goes into her home and has dinner with her family, her husband and her children, and all, they don't want to go anywhere else. You know, uh, when my boys got married uh, and we sat down with them and said, okay, we have to do the the dinner. We'll, we'll go anywhere you want to go. They wanted to go to this lady's house. <laughs> nice. And I said, but what, what about all the name, all these restaurants? No. Mm. that's where we went. So I had to call this friend and go, I don't know how to tell you this, <laughs> but but my boys just invited themselves over to your house. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Empower people in what they're good at. Mm-hmm. Leverage what they're good mm-hmm. at. You don't, have to, you don't have to do square pegs around holes all the no. time, man. Let oh, the spirit wow. run in what he made people to be. That's great. Uh, so you're – you're well known. A lot of people want a lot of things from you. A lot of people want a lot of time with you. I'm stealing more than I said I would from you in this very moment. Uh, what do you do to replenish, uh, just to make sure you're coming out of the overflow? You're not just not just reaching uh, desperately for things, but that you're just bubbling over and spilling out on everybody. What do you do to take <laughs> care of your soul? That's what I think about when you wander the halls. Um, why do I look like I need to take care of myself when I'm wandering? Boy, the boy looks bad. He needs to... You teeter a little bit sometimes. Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe an ear infection. Yeah, I don't know. No. Um, I, well, there there are there are a couple of basics. Uh, one of the obvious things: one, get enough sleep, uh, uh, eat right, uh, work out, uh, do some things. Every you know, you need to take a, a Sabbath, a day where you're you're not plugged in, you're not doing stuff. But you need to take little Sabbaths during the day, mm. yeah. you know, where where you, you you unplug and that kind of stuff. Uh, the spiritual disciplines. I have been journaling a long time. Uh, there's something about holding a pen, writing down. Here's what I'm thinking about. Here's what here's what I dreamed last night. Here's what I read in scripture, and you know, this is kind of you know, I, I've started reading through the Bible. Uh, this year, and, and I'll, I'll probably never finish because what I'm doing this time is um, is I'm reading a commentary with the book. So I've yes. got I've got Brueggemann's uh, Genesis <laughs> as I read the book of yeah. Genesis and that kind of stuff. But I, I, it hit that'll me, take a year. It, well, it, it hit me the other day. Um, <laughs> I, I, I now understand why God put Genesis first. Okay, uh, it, it's always amazed me that God introduced Himself as artist. 
Mm. You would think he would introduce himself as Savior, which is Exodus. Right. But he always he introduces himself as artist. I think he tells you Genesis first because no matter what you're in, no matter what kind of mess you're dealing with, no matter what you're going through, he can always tell you, remember, I started with nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's great. So that's that's the big aha for me right uh-huh. now. No matter how you pray, he's sitting there going, we're going to be fine. Mm. I started with nothing. <laughs> amazing. That's amazing. That's great. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you certainly for all you do. And um, it's a pleasure to work with you and certainly to follow. It's an exciting place to be in exciting times. Thank you, Paul.